Celestial Productions presents She Tales, a new scripted audio anthology series created by Charlotte Saunter. Listener discretion is advised as some audio isn't suitable for young children. All Girls Have Them by Charlotte Saunter. Narrated by Maggie Ross. That night, as the fine snow began to descend and lay down a pristine white sheet across our back garden, I saw my first she-dog. She was beautiful, magical. Without knowing what she was, you might mistake her for a small black dog. But if you looked closely, you would notice her bushy fox-like tail that was almost twice the size of her elegant and sleek body. She was covered in glistening fur, black as the night, and so shiny it looked as if she had been sprinkled with a dusting of glitter. My cousin Nyla and I sat in silence and awe as we watched her creep out of the forest that bordered our garden and sniff around the compost heap. It felt odd to think she was ever a human woman, that I could one day be a she-dog too. That is, if I wasn't careful. Nyla and I moved to the kitchen for a better look, where Mother was preparing dinner. She began to beat a large T-bone steak with a wooden mallet, twisting her wrist and pummeling it with such force that my eyelids would flicker with every thud. I remember, as I was determined not to lose my focus from the window, hoping that I would catch another glimpse of the ethereal she-dog. A beast, I hoped, that may have been masquerading as the legendary Princess Wolf. As Nyla and I watched on, I began to suspect the she-dog had retreated to the shelter of the ancient forest of Canaday that circulated the lower regions of Mount Lupus, towering above our village. The forest is an unearthly, enchanting place that humans do not dare to venture into, lest we come face to face with one of the magical beasts roaming within it. Worse yet, Mother often reminds me that mixing with the beasts of Kennedy can only serve to damage our prospects for marriage, a sacred human bond that will stop us from turning into she-dogs. Has anyone ever seen the Princess Wolf? I asked. I knew my mistake as soon as Mother raised her eyebrows so high that they disappeared into her fringe. Tsk, that's just a fairy tale, she barked. Nyla shook her head at me as if I shouldn't listen. Mother continued, The only thing you should concern yourself with is keeping your tails hidden. Nyla's eyes rolled back as she handed me a bowl to collect the potato skins she had just peeled. She always took the lead, and I obediently followed her. She was a comforting presence, and I felt empowered to be more inquisitive still. What happens if someone sees my tail? I asked, looking away from the window to catch her gaze. She lifted her neck and fixed her eyes on me, with a glare that hinted at my unfathomable stupidity, then returned to her mallet. Thud. My whole body flinched as she walloped the meat even harder. Mother was a strong woman who I respected immensely. For when Uncle died, she took in my orphaned cousin Nyla and brought her up alongside me and my younger brother. 
because you won't find someone to marry you, she said bluntly. I was due to turn 13 at the end of the month, the average age when a girl will grow their tail. They come suddenly, piercing through the end of your spine in the dead of night, stretching and contorting your pelvis as it makes space for a new appendage as you cry out in pain. That night, as we slept in our beds, Nyla turned to me and said, I won't be like them. They're sheep. Why would you be tied to one man for the rest of your life? Nyla? I realized the loudness of my voice and whisper. Aren't you scared of becoming a beast? Scared of what? I'd much rather be a she-dog out there than a prisoner in here. You should come with me. As she spoke, I began to picture Nyla's transformation into a she-dog, the long bridge of her nose akin to a pointer's snout, her hazel eyes and the glints of yellow within them, like that of the flame-lit torches held by the village elders who hunt them. I shook my head. We're going to grow old together, happily married with lots of children, you'll see. The fire behind her eyes intensified. My heart fluttered in my chest. Nyla didn't say another word, but I was sure she had only pretended to go to sleep that night. My tail came in the following month. Mother showed me how to tuck it up underneath me to avoid a visible outline through my undergarments and, crucially, to escape prying eyes. A forceful twist and bend, like wringing the neck of a chicken, then folded underneath your belt buckle to lock it in place. The technique, whilst effective, was a constant source of discomfort, and after a day, the fur had quickly become rough and matted with sweat. It was horrible. I detested my tail. Not long after, my brother began to observe me more curiously than before. One day, he pulled down my dress to expose my tail, but before I could react, Mother had rushed over and shrieked that it was my fault, demanding that I should never show my tail to a boy. But why, Mother? I quivered. Your dress is too short, she snapped. You're growing too quickly. I can barely afford to keep the clothes on your back. We aren't like other families. We don't have your father here to protect us anymore. Even though father had disappeared before I was born, mother was not able to remarry. She is united in holy matrimony, a sacred bond made. If it is broken, she will be cursed forever and will become a witch of the forest, living in the shadow of its black magic. That night at dinner, the candles flickered light across the faces of my mother and brother. We ate our stew in silence, and my brother avoided my gaze. Our relationship was never the same again. I knew other people were aware I had grown my tail. I could see it in the way they looked at me. The boys at school were always following girls, hoping to sneak a peek under our skirts. One day, after school, I walked up the road to my house, and I knew I was being followed. Mother always made me wear a hooded red cape, so the elders could see me on the roads, but it also evidently made me a visible target to other predators. I turned to face them, but was met with sheer force as they pushed me to the ground. I grabbed the snow and muddy earth, clamped tightly, and threw the frozen dirt in their faces. They recoiled as the ice and mud whipped into their eyes. 
I ran as fast as I could, not looking back until I made it home. When I got there, I went straight to the bathroom and ran the sink, feeling the sting of the hot water as bathed my wounds. I retreated to bed, curled up into a tight ball, and began to weep, wishing that I had never grown my tail. Later that year, I woke up shivering during a winter's night. The window was wide open as the moon beamed into my room and lit up Nyla's bed, but she wasn't in it. I got up and went to the window where I saw a dark shadow at the perimeter of our garden making its way towards the forest. For fear of waking Mother, I let out a rasping whisper as loud as I could, hoping it was Nyla and that she would hear me. The shadowy creature turned sharply and looked at me. That was when I saw her unmistakable fiery yellow eyes glinting back at me. She pivoted to the forest again and began to run forward. After an hour, I closed the window and returned to bed. As I closed my eyes and began to drift off to sleep, I thought of Nyla, the she-dog, chasing rabbits in the snow. I dreamt that I joined her and we ran wild together. We were free. When I turned 21, I brought my first boyfriend home. Mother looked pleased and told me he seemed like a nice boy. We held hands sweetly and walked to the edge of the forest, where we sat on a stone wall that marked the perimeter. He held my face with both hands and kissed me. It was my first kiss, and his taste enveloped me. Though my pleasure was short-lived, when he placed his hand on my thigh and whispered in my ear, Can I see it? No, no, you can't, I stuttered. There was silence as he looked at me expectantly. Come on, let me see it. I won't tell anyone. He began to tug at my shorts. I clenched my thigh muscles together and felt them interlock, becoming my armor as I braced myself for impact. I begged him no and cried out, Please stop! He greedily snatched at my belt, yanking at it with excitement. I pushed my arms against him as hard as I could, but I was not strong enough to stop him. My tail fell out beside me, and when he saw it, he stared in disbelief. It's so much smaller than I thought it would be, he said. My tail wilted weakly beside me. I felt a sudden strange sensation, and a high-pitched ringing filled my ears like a bell that only I could hear. I could not speak as tears fell down my hot cheeks. I tried to shrink away, and when I looked down, I half expected to see no tail at all. The next time a man saw my tail, it was different. As I walked home alone next to the forest, I didn't notice the truck that slowly drove beside me. It was a large, heavy beast of an engine, its dark red color. I glanced at the driver, a thin man peering right at me. I smiled uncomfortably, not wanting to make the situation feel any stranger. He continued to look at me like he was working something through his brain. I heard the crunch beneath my boots become louder as my pace quickened and the snow compacted beneath them. The man turned his attention back to the road and he sped ahead. I sighed in relief as I watched the truck clunk down the road. Lying in the boot, were three dead pigs, their eyes closed and their tongues lolling at different angles. Their skin was dull like the blood had been drained 
and I wondered how long they had been dead. As I stared at their faces, the truck came to a sudden halt. The driver's door swung open. I felt a lump in my throat as the man stepped out of the truck wearing a lambskin coat. My heart began to pound harder in my throat. I stood frozen, not wanting to move toward him and not wanting to turn my back on him. Suddenly, the man bolted towards me, and my instinct kicked in to turn away and run to the forest. I ran as hard as I could through the trees as their twisted branches wiped past me, slowing me down. He caught up with me, threw me to the frozen forest floor where my cheek would burn against its icy cold surface. He dropped his lambskin coat beside me and unbuckled his belt. My body radiated with pain. I heard his breathing steady behind me and kept my focus on his coat. I thought of the lambs he killed to make it, their unknowing faces as he turned on them too. I focused with all my might on it when I realized that only now I was his lamb and I was going to the slaughter. I floated above my body as I thought of what it would be like to be running with the she-dogs up in the mountains, wild and free. Ten years have passed, and I am now married. My husband Abel has seen my tale, and I no longer worry about turning into a she-dog. I love my husband. He is safe. He is solid. He reminds me of the mountain. I know he sees me clearly and with his whole heart, not just with his gaze. When we started dating, I expected him to ask me about my tale, but it never came. He waited until I was ready to show him, the sign of a good man, and we were married in December. There were flurries of magical snowflakes that filled the air. I wore a white fur wrap around my shoulders to keep me warm. It was a perfect day. A year goes by before the cracks start to show in our marriage. His voice no longer soothes me the way it did before. His calming and predictable nature has become just that, predictable. He liked to remind me how much I drink to sleep at night. I do not know how my husband feels about what happened. We never talk about it anymore. That evening, as we enter a party, I cling to him like a shadow. I hide behind him, making sure my glass is never empty. He leans into my shoulder and whispers, Haven't you had enough? I nod along as I take myself to the bathroom. As I sit on the edge of the toilet seat, the room begins to spin, but the muffled sound of laughter and talking outside is oddly comforting. I run the cold tap over my hands and see my glazed face staring back at me. My head swirls again as I try to center myself. I rejoin the party and go back to my husband's side. That's when I see him. My blood runs cold, colder than the ice and snow outside. Amongst the density of the crowd, I see his lambskin coat. I am suddenly a voyeur, a passenger in my own body. I watch myself looking at him and him back at me. His eyes sharpen. I suddenly feel hunted. My head begins to sober up as it clicks into fight-or-flight mode. Abel puts his hand on my shoulder, and his touch causes me to drop my glass, smashing to pieces against the ballroom floor. I need some fresh air, I whisper to Abel. His eyes widen, but he doesn't say anything. Very well. 
he intimates with a nod, and I quickly make my way to the exit. As soon as I am outside, a thick darkness surrounds me. For a moment, I want to wrap it around me like a cape and smother me completely. I take a deep breath as I look up at the shimmering moon and hear the muffled sound of she-dogs howling in the distance. Then, a crunch of the snow behind me. I don't turn to see who it is. I know it's him. I flee to the forest as I hear him join the chase. I am alone with him, back where it all began, hunted once again. I turn to face him, and he grins at me like a wolf as we stand either side of a circular clearing deep inside the forest. His expression changes. He suddenly looks afraid. His eyes are no longer dark and narrowed. They are open so wide I can see the whites of them glaring back at me. Behind him are several fire-like embers in the dark, and as I look around, I see a pack of she-dogs surrounding us, growling fiercely and lowering their heads in readiness to attack. A she-dog draws closer, and I recognize its fiery eyes to be Nyla. She kneels beside me and snarls. The man turns to run, but the she-dogs move closer. I feel a surge of energy flow through me, and electricity fills the air and fizzes around me. I feel my entire skin glowing and reflecting its light against the snow-covered trees, bouncing off them in all directions. My body's core shifts, and I feel my skin begin to stretch like a balloon. Long strands of white fur pierce through, spreading quickly like a hot rash and covering me in thick white fleece. My chest starts to expand, and my rib cage cracks loudly. A deep rumble builds in my chest. I stretch out my spine, tilt my head back, and let out a bellowing howl into the sky. A raw instinct takes over as I lean onto all fours. The man is panicked, scrambling to escape. My sisters and I drive forward in a pack, and our growling mounts to a thunderous hum that grows like the anger inside us, the anger we have held onto for so many years. I lunge toward him and rip the fur from his lambskin coat, filling the air like snowflakes. I bite down on his neck and feel the crunch beneath my teeth as his blood oozes onto the snow around us. His body goes limp, lifeless beneath me. I step away from the red circle in the snow, and the she-dogs follow. I turn to look for Nyla, only to see she is beside me. She looks at me with her large eyes and bows her head before me. The she-dogs bow their heads one by one. I realize that I am finally at peace. I am finally home. Nyla points her head up towards Mount Lupus, which stands proud to the light of the full moon. I nod to Nyla, and we set off towards the mountain, my sisters in tow. We are free. The End You have been listening to All Girls Have Them by Charlotte Saunter Narrated by Maggie Ross